Hello and welcome. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, star of Swamp Thing, The Fog, and Creepshow, to name a few. And this is She Kills. This episode examines the role the inept woman plays in the horror genre. You know, the girl who fumbles with her keys thanks to that pesky purse. Always tries the locked door, attempts to use a broken phone, and my favorite, jumps into the car that almost always refuses to start. I have fond memories of Jamie Lee Curtis trying desperately to rescue my son in the fog. The ghosts are getting closer, and that old truck's wheels just keep spinning in the mud. Which leads me to Jennifer Tilly, Academy Award-nominated actress and star of Child's Play. She's joined by Rotten Tomatoes' senior editor, a film critic with a special place in her heart for horror, Gray Drake. Jennifer and Gray spent some time with us talking about everything from the most frustrating moments as a horror fan to the empowering aspects of creating an iconic female villain within a franchise. Uh, I'm Gray Drake, and I'm the senior editor of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm Jennifer Tilly. I'm an actress. I'm mostly known for the Chucky movies, and I play Tiffany in Chucky, and in Seed of Chucky, I played jewel roles. I played Tiffany and Jennifer Tilly, world-famous actress. Hell yeah. I love Chucky. I just rewatched. The first Child's Play because I hadn't seen it oh, right. in so long, mm-hmm. and I, I, that's what I was so pumped about it because I find like most horror movies are so boring, and Chucky was like a completely bananas premise mm-hmm. that was treated very seriously, and it really holds up super well. And I'm like, how did they do these effects? Like it still looks so good, and then they just kept getting more and more interesting. I like, will, yeah, I never saw the first. This sounds really weird. I've never seen the first Chucky movie. In fact, Don Mancini, who created the Chucky genre, he's always yelling at me because I say, well, you know, in the first one I did this, and he goes, Jennifer, there were three other movies before you came on board. But as far as I'm concerned, the Chucky, uh, the Chucky franchise started when I entered it. This, you know, yeah. it's like people think nothing happened before they were born. Nah. I so, think there are a lot of fans that agree with you. Well, I've seen, I've seen snippets of Chucky movies on TV, but I didn't really do any research on, because I was sort of like, you know, why? I mean, how can you do research on a character that turns into a killer doll? A doll comes to life. What do you have to research? And then dies, and then mm-hmm. as she's dying, gives birth to a baby, and then, as it turns out, comes back to life again, and again, and again, like always dying, and then coming back to life. It's sort of like, wow, I've entered a new realm of movie making. <laughs> Just logic goes out the window. It's awesome, uh-huh. and it's awesome. Like uh-huh. as a fan, I that that's what I think is really fun is that they they keep finding ways to make this series interesting. Well, and I think the thing is because Don Mancini, who created the first Chucky movie, he's been on board since the very beginning. Mm. He's written every single script. He directed the last uh, three movies. And he's a super fan himself. So he always thinks like, what would I like to see if I was a Chucky fan? What do I want to see next? And so he really puts, he's very, very meticulous in how he crafts the movie. Um, before I did the Chucky movie, I'd never really seen any horror films. And then really? he sort of, yes, he kind of like, it was sort of like educating Rita. He sort of took me under his wing and we would go see all these horror films and then he'd rent like old horror films like we saw um, I for, the one about the demon seed child. I forget. There's so many of them. And then we went and we saw the there's, original one. Yeah, there's the like bad that. seed. Yes, yeah, so we saw the bad seed and then we saw the original one. Metal like you told him to. 
And I thought I'd seen some mean little gals in my time. But you're the meanest. You want to know how I know how mean you are? Because I'm mean. I'm smart and I'm mean. And you're smart and you're mean. And you never get caught and I never get caught. I know what you think. I know everything you think. Nobody believes anything you say. You want to know what you've done after you hit him? You jerked the metal off his shirt. And then you roll that sweet little boy off that wharf among them pilings. You don't know anything. None of what you said is true. You know I'm telling the gospel truth. You know I've got to figure it out. You figured out something that never happened. And so it's all lies. Now take your Excelsior down to the basement and put it where you can sleep on it when you're supposed to be working. He actually, I remember in Sea to Chucky, he, I think he flew all the way to Italy to um, convince Pino Dinaggio to do the music because awesome. he was a huge fan of his music from Blowout and the Brian De Palma movies. So he really sees his films as art. And also as a gay man, he loves camp. So there's always positive gay characters in his films. And um, he, he has a great sense of humor. In fact, when we did Sea to Chucky, the, the studio said to, they said to tone it down a little. They, they, they read the script and they go, it's too funny, it's too gay, and there's too much Jennifer Tilly. <gasps> no. He, he told me, I said, how could there be too much Jennifer Tilly? Yeah, no. There's, <laughs> is it Cult of Chucky when, you, when Jennifer Tilly mails Chucky? Oh, no, to... that was, um, there's so many of them. Curse. That was Curse of Chucky. Curse? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like <clears throat> I love I love that Don Mancini is like my very dear friend and also a big Jennifer Tilly fan because <laughs> after Cedar uh, Chucky, I think that he did, came down from the studio like these movies are just getting too batshit crazy and we want to make Chucky scary again. And the reason why he went um, the sort of campy, uh, sort of self-referential, like jokey way with Chucky, Bride of Chucky and also Cedar Chucky is because he'd already there have been three Chucky movies before and yeah. I didn't want to just do a retread of what came before it's like oh doll terrorizes kills a bunch of people dies you know which is like that was that sort of the formula for making sequels is just do the same movie over again but you have like different actors dying of course and so Heath said at one point in uh, Bride of Chucky a character goes Chucky he's so 80s he's not even scary you know so he was very conscious of what the fans think and the cultural shifts and so he'd made the two like funny movies which we loved and then uh, he decided to go back to scary again and Curse of Chucky is really absolutely terrifying and then Cult of Chucky is hauntingly beautiful in a strange way I mean we had great cinematographer and there's some very lyrical sequences there's one scene where uh, the skylight gets shattered and it's snowing and all mm. the glass comes down on her and she's tied to a bed and she's just looking at the glass and it's a hmm. snowy night and the snow coming in. It's very beautiful and sort of slow motion and beautiful music. Wow. I never really thought about how that's what Chucky has over all the other scary dolls, though, mm -hmm. is that 
they all roll on their own, mm-hmm. but he's the only one that is in a committed relationship, like it or not, well, with this lady doll that is every bit as psychotic and weird as he is. And Chucky is a little bit of, I mean, he's a little bit of the bottom in this relationship. <laughs> yeah, I you mean, got that right. <laughs> he's, he's sort of a henpecked husband. She's always jeering at him. Like I think the thing I found, which is really amazing, is that people identify with Chucky, and they identify with Tiffany. So they're not identifying, this is where it's different from a lot of other horror movies, they're not identifying with uh, frightened, nubile teenagers. They're Mm. wanting the teenagers to get it. And they feel like they can relate to Chucky because he has, like, all these problems. He has, like, a sort of transgender child, and he has, like, a problematic relationship with his wife, and you know, and and he's, you know, he gets a little sort of melancholy, and and he had a midlife crisis in Bride of Chucky, or no, Seated Chucky, where he's like, he didn't know if he wanted to be a human, and then he decides, wait a minute, I'm a doll, I'm the greatest killer doll, I'm Chucky and I fucking love it. But I remember that scene, it was like a monologue where Chucky sort of, he spouts off his raison d'etre, like, and um, Brad Dourif, who's a great, speaking of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he's a brilliant Oscar-nominated actor, he goes, um wait a minute, I'm going to need some time. <laughs> he went out in the hallway and he's getting all Stanislavski with it. And he, was, he didn't like to figure out exactly what. And I just was so impressed with that. Like when I first came in to do the first Chucky movie and I'd never really done any voiceover and I hadn't done any horror films and I didn't know what to expect and we recorded the doll sounds first. And so they had us in these two booths, soundproof booths, but we were facing each other and we could hear the other person in our earphones. And so in Bride of Chucky, we did a lot of ad-libbing. Like, there's one point where Chucky wants to have sex, and I go, wait, wait, Chucky, do you have a rubber? And he's like, look at me, baby. I'm all rubber. We, we, ad-libbed, we ad-libbed that. And then, of course, un- unprotected sex led to unplanned pregnancy, a little mm-hmm. lesson for the kiddies. But um, watching Brad Dwarf and working off of him is why I think a lot of people can relate to uh, Tiffany and Chucky, because we were really acting and there was a scene at the end where my character dies and I'm and I say we belong dead and I look at Brad and tears are running down his face and I'm crying too we're the sound book he's in it staring at each other saying this really sad dialogue but we're two little plastic dolls but we were both so profoundly sad that tears were rolling down our faces so it's not just like how you think like oh I'm gonna go in the booth I'll lay down some tracks and then I'll you know I'll go have a drink or whatever people do after they do that. Nobody leaves me. Nobody. Especially your dad. 
We asked Jennifer and Gray about the damsel in distress horror trope and their first memories of why is she going up the stairs when she should be going out the front door? Now, believe me, this only works when there's a logical reason to avoid the door. Like, that's where the villain is? But, oh, boy, how many times have we seen a director defy logic and give his damsel in distress more distress by making a ridiculous choice? My first memorable why is this happening moment with like a female running through the woods? It was just a Nightmare on Elm Street moment and just the white nightshirt, just inexplicably, why are you not dressed? Mm -hmm. This doesn't make sense. Running across the lawn and falling down. And I was even, at, you know, as a young horror fan at that point, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, this yeah. is just here to satisfy something that intellectually is just out of my grasp at this time uh -huh. in my mental development. Like, I do not know why this is happening. Right. Like, those movies where you, when you're watching them, they, they move into the new house and they're like, oh, why are the walls bleeding? And, uh, oh, there's dead animals <laughs> all outside the porch. And that's why the title of Get Out is such a great title because you're like, get out! Right. And they're like, oh, Oh, all these strange things are happening, but you know, we'll just um, let, let's turn out the lights and go to bed and see what happens next. That's a, that's another thing I love about Jordan Peele as a director mm. too is that he be, like when he talks about that movie and even what they would do on Key and Peele, like mm -hmm. they're so he's so attuned to what the audience is doing mm -hmm. in any given moment that the actors would talk about how he would walk them through what they're trying to subvert. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the moment where the audience thinks that you're the bad guy, so we're going to do this. And it's like, that must be so cool as an actor, you uh, know, right. to, to have a director like that kind of you know, guiding right. you. And there's always like, there's always that sort of really confusing thing where they hear the noise instead of running away from the noise, they go, go to the noise, yeah. like very cautiously. And I think filmmakers, like what you were saying about Jordan Peele now, they know what the expectations are. So now they do a thing like somebody will hear a noise and they'll be going to the closet and all of a sudden something leaps out of the closet and it's the ironing board and it falls down. Sure. And they're few. And now the new cl cliche is right after they're like, few, it was not that's when they get it. Exactly. So it's really hard to surprise audiences, movie audiences these days, but I think they sort of revel in the cliches a little bit. Like people love to be scared and yeah. they love sometimes to be a little bit ahead of the people in the movie. They're like, oh no, that was a false alarm, but now they're really going to get grabbed. So they love that feeling of being scared. I'm the person in the theater that's uh -huh. like always talking to the movie uh -huh. where I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Like in that that movie, there's a movie called Lights Out, mm -hmm. and so it's all about how you have to constantly be in the light, or else this mm -hmm. spirit is gonna come get you. And so, like the minute that someone wants to go in the basement, I'm like Teresa Palmer, do not do mm -hmm. that. <laughs> I, I'm that person in the theater. Like no one wants to sit around me, and <laughs> I'm I'm constantly that person because uh -huh. I know exactly what they're in for and that's why it's so much more impressive when there's a filmmaker that knows exactly what I expect 
and then is such a good writer and storyteller that they find that way around it. And I remember um, Cedar Chucky when Universal got the script also besides saying there should be less of Jennifer. When he said that he was going to make me play myself, I said, oh my God, can I be like a really self, a narcissistic, like self-involved movie star? And he did. And they made him take it down a lot. And a lot of the jokes <laughs> I came up with, they said, she's just not, she's not very likable. They were like, <laughs> you were like, can't she like be really like sweet? And then all her friends are dying around her, and she's running and you know trying to figure out who did it. And he goes, oh, you mean like I know what you did last summer? He goes, this is we're not making that movie. This is a different movie. But he, we did actually have to reshoot a scene. There was a scene where. Um, a, ca- a person gets decapitated and people think I did it and I'm leaving the studio and they're all like, Miss Tilly, Miss Tilly, why did you do it? And I played, I call up my assistant, I go, did, turn on the news, did you see the news? But I did it like I was really excited, like I was relevant again, like <laughs> everyone's taking my picture and how do I look? And he made me reshoot it because he said, Trevor, a man is dead after all. <laughs> that really makes you unlikable. So I play it the same way instead of like, turn on the TV. It was like, turn on the TV. Like, oh, oh my God. Hello. What are you doing? I'm busy. I do have a life, you know. Turn on the news. The actress discovered the victim's body. As of yet, there is no official confirmation as to whether or not Miss Tilly is a suspect. Jesus. Can you believe this? Are you okay? (sighs) I've had better days. God, it's so sad. You That's know. interesting because mm-hmm. as you're talking and describing that, that I, I, cliches exist for a reason, mm-hmm. certainly, because mm-hmm. they work and they're relatable. Mm-hmm. And you want a person to be likable so you're rooting for them. Yes. But at the same time, I think that that's something that we get, that the filmmakers get caught up in mm-hmm. or or is it studio executives that get caught up in? Because they're like, no, it's a girl who has to be likable. We have uh, yeah. to love her. I always like characters that are flawed. I mean, I of think course. that they're so much more interesting. So I, I feel like it, it's better to me if a character is flawed because it makes it more real as opposed to a really beautiful girl who looks cute, you know, with of w- in her bikini and everything. It's more interesting mm-hmm. and it's better writing because yes. that that's the thing that's really great about mm-hmm. the new Halloween is that they they've wiped out all of the nonsense that's happened, which I love by the way. Mm-hmm. I love all the Halloween movies for different reasons, but they've wiped out all the nonsense in the middle and instead like uh Jamie Lee Curtis has said many times by now that they've focused on the character of Laurie Strode is a woman who has undergone massive trauma mm-hmm. and who's had to figure out how to deal with it. And she is not anymore. She is not likable. She is not a likable person anymore. She is a, Her family hates her. She's ruined her daughter. She's mm-hmm. an alcoholic. She's this she's turned into a, a sort of a, a, a kind of what she hated this whole mm-hmm. time. And. Yet, at the same time, I think speaking to the intelligence of audiences, and that it doesn't always have to be simple spoon-fed what studio execs want. Mm-hmm. She's not likable, and yet you're still really rooting for her because she's triumphing. Tri- she she's getting triumph mm-hmm. over this illness uh-huh. and over this trauma that she's experienced. And so it's, I haven't seen many movies like that where you're like so mm-hmm. into it because um, in horror films, a lot of times you know the actresses are disposable mm-hmm. and. 
<coughs> and you know to be replaced by newer younger actresses yeah. we see their boobs we kill them they're done yeah and this I think the thing is that people have had such a sense of history with Laurie Strode and the fact that they're making another movie so many years later I think it's been 40 years since the first one mm-hmm. with the same character that's what they love because it gives them a sense of realness and that's where people love Tiffany I mean I've made my fourth Tiffany yep. my fourth Tiffany movie uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> my fourth I just finished my fourth Chucky movie and we're doing oh a Chucky God. series can you, can you tell mm-hmm. them to make the next movie Groom of Tiffany Groom oh my Tiffany. god <laughs> <laughs> so that's the title for the next movie but you know they, the fans are so loyal and I feel like if anything women have women in so many different groups who have been ignored for so long I think that they have more of an opportunity to just have permission to join so it's it's like whereas before horror was supposed to be for teen boys and that's why there were so mm-hmm. many boobs and all these cliches we're talking about now uh, everybody has a shot and everybody has an opportunity and so that's that can only make things richer and more interesting so it's it's one of those things like this the, this conversation that we're having about empowerment and about you know calling out injustice it's thorny but it's necessary because on the other side of it is this really amazing inclusive interesting new landscape i think mm-hmm. so it's like horror movies have definitely gotten more interesting and that's what's attracted new people to them because it's not just like sleep away camp and surprise the girl mm. is a dude what <laughs> it's like that's that's hey. that was fine for then but now we need something that's a lot more intelligent than that I also think it's like cathartic. I pro- maybe because in real life, women perhaps don't have as, you know, have, are in a lot of situations that are frightening. It's in a way to go to a movie theater and just scream and be frightened, and then come out and it's like, oh, it was, it wasn't real. I think that that's mm. very uh, cathartic for to yeah. go go to the movie, the horror movies, and see it's those. Sort of, but one thing about the horror films, so when you talk about. Uh, people getting killed. That's what made it so scary. Is that really adorable little boy bites it right in the oh, very beginning? Oh God, Georgie! But at, oh. but I feel like if at the end, if some of the kids got killed, then you would feel a little like, well, I was so emotionally invested in them. So you know, you do want to see them overcome the evil. It's also. That's a good mm-hmm. point because it's also shocking that more of them don't die. Because mm-hmm. Pennywise is so scary and so all powerful. So powerful. That seems like the one rule. No, it's, you know what? It's women mm-hmm. and it's any black character. Mm. Those are the two mm-hmm. groups of people that horror movies are traditionally fine with just offing. Mm-hmm. And when you think about how that even became a cliche, it's like the most messed up thing uh-huh. that I think our art expresses. Well, it's like in our society, those mm. are the two groups. We're fine without those two groups. So it's like animals, so too. People get very upset when animals, like cute little animals, get murdered in a, in a horror movie that has a very high body count. But I think it's interesting that uh, like what we agree on is that like, kids and animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whenever whenever the, those two groups have been in a horror movie to a bad end, mm-hmm. everyone is horrified, and it's always has a lot of effect. It's so Georgie like crossing, crossing the line, yeah. right? So Georgie mm-hmm. gets he he eats it in the beginning of it, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" It creates movie. a sense of dread because you feel like nobody is off limits. That's right, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, women and black people, that's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. That that's like that's just like run of the mill that's just tuesday that's no big deal it's so that's and it's 
it's horrible, and that's another reason that Get Out is so great, because it's it's making so many smart. Well, good horror is also mm-hmm. like good sci-fi mm-hmm. that ends up being about more than just what you're seeing on the screen. You can enjoy it as just a movie, but you could also put meaning about society into it, mm-hmm. and it directly plays into all of these things that we already know about horror movies and how women and minorities are treated. So it's like. Wow, yeah, I, I had so fun, many, so but I learned a little about, something about that. Yeah, the kind of movies I liked are movies that are more of a psychological horror. Like, for example, the most terrifying thing in Shining was mm. when she pulls that typewriter pages out oh, of sure. to see, and starts reading his novel, and it's just a typing exercise. Right, and it's so horrifying. Mm. But it's just Shelley Duvall and her eyes getting bigger and bigger, and and because it's like she's understanding that she is stuck in this with. A, with a crazy person. But that movie is real. Movies that are very terrifying to me are movies that to me feel like they could happen because I totally believe in ghosts. Like Paranormal Activity, I couldn't sleep for days. That movie is scary. Well, I think there's something more scary about a woman being possessed by a terrifying force than a guy because, you know, they're just... Mm, sort of like that anyway. It's, you know? I, I mean, I think if you're if if you're dealing in 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 broad strokes, it's like me, the masculine is very aggressive and it's very violent. So it's like mm. a man gets possessed and that's the result and it's scary. Right. But the but but the the feminine is about receptivity and and being open and sort mm. of holding space for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so when that's violated, it's even more disturbing. Right. And. Right. The, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen is Barbara Hershey and the Entity. It is so scary because it's like just Barbara Hershey getting thrown around by this oh, poltergeist. Wow. Uh-huh. It gives me chills just thinking about it because it's such a violation. It's like the whole movie is like, this could be me in my normal house. Mm. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think about like if I were, I've, I've never been in a position where mm-hmm. I've someone has been in my house when I've you know, not invited them, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. But if I opened the door to my home mm-hmm. or the door was cracked open a little bit, mm-hmm. would I have the presence of mind to back away from the door, get on my cell phone, that I, the computer I carry in my pocket, call the cops and just get out of there, not even investigate? Or is it that human nature... It that's is. So that's in happened us. so many times right? to me. That your that doors hear, open? No, but I'll hear a noise and I go and towards like, the I noise. I go towards it. Right. I'll be like, like geez, what? I think there's someone in the house. But instead of locking the door and calling, you know, the security, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in the kitchen. You it's know, probably it's nothing. probably nothing. That's yes. the thing because we don't want to seem crazy. Yeah, like, I've never I, grabbed it, a fireplace tongs or butcher knife. Mm. It's so easy when it's when you're on the outside of it. It's so easy when it's somebody else. Right. Like when it, but when it's you, right. you, all of a sudden, like I look down and I'm wearing a white button-down shirt and no pants, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm going towards the noise that right. is upstairs. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? But right. but when you're watching it from the outside, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's both the cliche and the fun mm-hmm. of the horror movie in general. Gray and Jennifer have been an integral part of shaping horror culture and fandom, so it felt only natural to ask what their favorite horror film was. 
My favorite horror movie is The Shining because I just really, I think it's almost a perfectly constructed film. Um, I, it does have that element where characters that you think are coming to rescue, the characters in peril end up getting killed, you know? And um, just the whole sort of psychic phenomena and Jack Nicholson and the ghost from long ago, I just feel like it just creates a very eerie vibe. And I think one of the things that's terrifying is uh, things that you see that are unexplained like the twins and the old lady in the bathtub and I think those things say I actually that introduced me to Stephen King I'd never read a Stephen King book and after that I went and read the book because I was like what are these things that we saw just glimpses of or flashes of and that's why I also really like Shelley uh, Duvall in that movie because she was sort of carrying the film and she's such an odd quirky character but she was the rational one I mean, I guess the little boy was probably the the lead, but she was the one that was really, she was a damsel in distress, but she was very sort of feisty and trying to hold it all together. Yeah, boy, God, she had a, the the deck was stacked against that character. Then when you hear about how Kubrick basically Mm -hmm. tortured her in Mm -hmm. real life to make the movie, it adds a whole new level of terror, I think, because Uh she was so stressed out in real life. It's like, It showed. (laughs) It really did. It it, it was jangly. Her performance was so jangly. It makes makes me torn in how I watch the movie now because Mm -hmm. it used to be so perfect. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like, ah, oh, Jesus. I always know? hate when act, when, when uh, directors or producers or d- directors or actors do that because it is actually, it, it's assuming that the actress can't get that emotion herself. Like I always yeah. remember reading in Raging Bull where uh, just before a scene started, I think is uh, Robert De Niro or Martin Scorsese, somebody reached out and just slapped her across the face. And she was saying like, I was so shocked and and my feelings were so hurt and I was trying to say my lines and I was crying and, and you know, but she's like, and I, I didn't know why he did that, but she said, but I'm glad he did because it's a really good scene. And then she got nominated for an Oscar for that. But I feel like that's, I also read that Dustin Hoffman did that to Meryl Streep a lot uh, in uh, Kramer versus Kramer, like taunting her about her dead uh, lover and things like that just before the scenes. And, you know, she's like one of the greatest actresses right. on the earth that Dustin Hoffman she doesn't assumes, need your help, buddy. Yeah, assumes that you have to like, you know, torment, psychologically torment her between scenes. It's like, uh, you know, hello, who made you the acting police? One of my recent favorites is The Babadook. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love that movie so much. It also contains one of my favorite mm-hmm. female characters ever because um, Essie Davis is like, she's incredible in it. And I love the journey that that character goes on mm-hmm. that I won't spoil, but I will say that you have to see it if you're listening and you haven't because it's it's so unusual and it's such a great comment on motherhood and it's such a great example of how this this notion of empathy makes horror movies a lot stronger because even if you're not a parent mm-hmm. you can understand why this woman would be so stressed out that her child is in peril and their lives are upside down and then the ending is so satisfying and messed up and great and you're like oh I just I could watch it over and over again it's a really good movie there's yeah. also not mm-hmm. a lot of female 
horror movie villains mm-hmm. in in general. There are right. not that many. And, right. and Tiffany is really memorable because of like a lot of reasons. She's a doll, mm-hmm. but she's sassy and she's she looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And then in in real life, she's Jennifer Tilly. So it's like yeah. she's got a lot of things going on. And for she her. wants she wants to be a good mother. She's yeah. she's likable. She's trying to quit her killing addiction. She does <laughs> the 12, 12 step program. It's really weird. Yeah. Like the uh-huh. more that we talk about it, the weirder it is that she loves a bad man. We've gotten to know these dolls. Yeah, it it's is. really I've mm-hmm. never thought about that before. I think that over time you have all these movies that have stacked up one on the other that's like, oh well Michael Myers was scary. Um Jason's scary. Mm-hmm. The let's let's burn scary. a guy mm-hmm. so Freddy's now scary. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just like all these guys. And also I think that when you're talking about just biologically, uh again in broad strokes mm-hmm. Dudes are big and can overpower you as a general mm-hmm. rule. So it's like, yeah, he's lumbering towards you and he's not even coordinated. Mm. <laughs> but in hand-to-hand combat, statistically, you will probably lose. Right. So that is scarier than like a woman. So it's really cool to see equal opportunity in villains mm-hmm. with women too. When you're like, because like next year, uh, La Llorona is finally being made into mm-hmm. a horror movie, and it's this really scary. Um, folklore tale that has like terrified Mm -hmm. Latino children forever and they've never seen this story told Comic Con this year Mm -hmm. in San Diego and I was so I watched these things before we screened them and I'm like just watching it on my phone because I had no other choice and I was like this is horrible and I'm not going to tell anybody that I should watch it on a phone and (laughs) screamed out loud. Oh my god, that's so funny. And I'm like, yes! And it's finally like a badass chick that's messing up kids! Yes! But once again, isn't that funny that she's a villain that is attacking children. Mm-hmm. So that's specifically her job. She doesn't go after like grown-ass men. She's uh-huh. going after children. So I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for our thoughts and, and like biologically what we think strength is and where it exists. I want to I'm really excited mm-hmm. to like know the next horror movie that you watch. So like I'll be tweeting you or Instagramming you or something. Okay. <laughs> well, it seems like there's a lot of really frightening horror films coming up. Sometimes when I'm at home at night I watch the trailers and I'm like, "Ooh, I want to see that one. I want to see this one." But it'll probably be Halloween because you know everyone's oh, talking about it. it just came yes. out. I've done I did a movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, so I'm just really interested to see how they handle Yes, House Arrest. Another Woo! truly truly horrifying film Halloween yes I'm looking forward to it and we're doing a Chucky series now which (gasps) is going to be it's going to answer all the Chucky questions and there are so many I have well it's going to be like a a, what do you call it an anthology so one episode might be about Glenn and Glenda and one episode might be about Chucky and Tiffany when they're teenagers and one episode might continue the film so we're working hard on that but in the meantime Gray it was very nice to meet you likewise a lovely and colorful person and Thank I'm not you. just talking about your rainbow bright hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This was awesome. I know. I feel a little intimidated because she knows so much more about horror films than, oh, no. than myself. But it was listen, little, really interesting to listen to you talk about them all. Rest assured that the trade-off is that mm. you have a very full life that is free of terror and mm, sitting right, on right, your right. ass in dark rooms oh. screaming with strangers. Mm-hmm. So Well, I am, I am becoming, I am integrating myself into the horror film community because there's so many like really interesting Twitter feeds and blogs yeah. and websites and now I'm going into the whole sort of there's 
there's all this Chucky art and Tiffany mm-hmm. art. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's really a fascinating world to to be involved with. So. All right, good. Well, yeah. I'll see you there then. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I will. <laughs> What a wonderful conversation, Jennifer and Gray. In the 40 years since I did my first horror film, I've seen the fan base grow from, oh, maybe 500 people filling a small ballroom in a mid-sized hotel to over 100,000 people packing convention centers and sports arenas. The fans are what keep the genre thriving, the franchises going, and we actresses employed. So thank you from all of us. And when you see us out and about, don't be afraid to say hello. We love it, and only a few of us bite. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, and this has been She Kills, a Shudder original podcast, executive produced by Blair Bercy, Killian Van Rensler, Jordana Freyberg, and Deborah Henderson. Hosted by Adrienne Barbeau. Associate produced by Nancy Himmel. Supervising producer, Cara Frias. Featuring interviews with Jennifer Tilly and Gray Drake. Sound recording, design, and mixing by Iceman Audio. Production sound mixing and re-recording mixing by Evan Menick. Supervising sound editing and re-recording mixing by Michael Capuano. Composed by Doug Bossy. Music by iSpy Music. Production manager, Kay Tinder. Production Legal, Jordan Rock. Production Accounting, Stephen D. Smith. For Shudder, Owen Shiflett, Robin Jones, and Nicholas Lazo. She Kills. The characters and events depicted in this podcast are fictional. Any similarity to any actual person living or dead, or to any actual events, firms, places, and institutions, or other entities, is coincidental and unintentional. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries, and its unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution. Country of first publication, United States of America. She Kills. Copyright 2018. Digital Store, LLC. All rights reserved.